Welcome to Explore, Teach, Conserve, or the ETC podcast by the University of Minnesota Extension, where we talk with people about exploring, making discoveries, and solving problems to better manage our natural resources, and we share ideas to help you learn more and get involved. This is an older episode from when we used a different title, The Naturalist, but the conversation and ideas are still fresh. If you enjoy it, we hope you'll subscribe and listen to more episodes of Explore, Teach, Conserve, or the ETC. Hey everyone, welcome to the Naturalist Podcast by the University of Minnesota Extension. I'm Nate Meyer, your host today, and we are going to be talking with Elaine Evans from the University of Minnesota's B-Lab and our Extension Fish, Wildlife, and Conservation Education team about her work to monitor wild bee diversity and bee conservation. We'll also share some ideas about where you can learn more and get involved. So Elaine, let's dig in. This is a podcast about new discoveries and solving problems to better manage our natural resources. Many of our listeners know you as our Bee Atlas and Bumblebee survey leader and pollinator workshop instructor, but you're also a researcher on the faculty at the University of Minnesota's Bee Lab. What are you working to discover? What problems are you trying to solve? A lot of my research work connects well with my um, extension work. I do a lot of work um, issues related to, to conservation, but um, on the research side, digging into more specific questions. So a lot of the work with the, with the bee atlas and with the Minnesota bumblebee survey, we're working on getting more information about bumblebees across Minnesota. One of the research projects I've been involved with is one that is focusing on survey methods for bumblebees to, to get into more specific questions. So we're using different kinds of statistical models to be able to, to talk about our probability of finding bees. So we're working with rare bees. So in Minnesota, we have populations of the endangered rusty patch bumblebee. And as you can imagine, being an endangered species, we don't find them in very high numbers. So there'll be sites where we find one or two, and then lots of sites when we find where we find zero. And just because we don't see them at a site, that doesn't mean that they're not there. So we've been working with these statistical models called occupancy models and detection probability models to try to get more information to know if we don't see them, what's the probability that they actually aren't there? <laughs> which is, is really helpful for looking at recovery plans for this endangered species. I really like having research projects that connect directly to uh, conservation methods. Tell me a little bit about how you became interested in bee research. I came to, to bee conservation from, um, from insect conservation in general. So when I, when I first got interested just in, in conservation and was learning about biological diversity and learning about all these different things that are, that are happening, you know, what happens in an ecosystem, how, how do all these different, you know, animals and plants interact, seeing how diverse 
insects are and how many important things they do for making the world run. And then looking at what's happening in the conservation world and seeing, especially at this point in time when I was when I was first looking, there was very, very little work on insect conservation at all. And to me, it was really clear that insects are, are really important for, for the health of our ecosystems. And pollinators was a kind of an easy way to get people to realize that. So I, I, you know, I was also really interested in decomposition and soil organisms and all these other ecosystem functions that are really important. But I, I thought, you know, pollinators, that, that's something people can relate to because it, you know, it affects what's on our plate, what we're eating, you know, really dramatic effects that we can, we can see. So that made sense to me as kind of a, a starting point for insect conservation to get people to start caring about pollinators. And once I volunteered helping out on a research project that was working working on pollinators in prairies. And I think that's what really did it is once I was just out there, you know, in, in the flowers, looking at bees, I, I, I was done. <laughs> that, was, that was it for me. My next question is, what is the legacy that you hope to leave through your work? How do you hope your discoveries or problem solving will change our environment for the better? I think we're still at a point where even just being aware of pollinators is something that, that's making a big difference, and that's that's really happening in a lot of ways, um, especially in Minnesota. There's been a lot of really good attention to pollinators, and just people becoming more aware, you know, people start looking at habitat changes that they can make. So I really hope that people can move from that awareness to to action to to make conservation changes for bees to realize that in Minnesota we do have this this broad diversity of bees. So at the at the bee lab we've been adding to the to the number of of bee species that we find in Minnesota partly through through citizen scientists getting out there and partly through our, our research programs that we have um, studying bee diversity. We have 469 different species of bees and understanding who, what those bees are, what they need, how they're doing compared to how they were doing will help us to really effectively put in conservation plans that can, can help these pollinators. And in turn, these pollinators are, are really important for all this different stuff happening in the ecosystem. So hopefully we can not only get conservation going for, for pollinators, but see uh, a, a positive effect on um, birds and water quality and all kinds of other stuff that happens when we have um, good pollinator habitat. So give our listeners a peek behind the scenes. How do you go about your work? What are one or two cool tools, methods, or strategies that you use in working on your bee conservation projects? One really fun method that I'm using right now is bumblebee rearing. There's a project we're doing in the bee lab that's called MAP, Minnesota Agriculture for Pollinators Project. And we're working in Western Minnesota where we have 60 different agricultural lands that have been converted over into pollinator habitat of different sizes and with different seed mixes. And then we're looking at the effects of those things on, on pollinators and different surrounding habitat too. So we can really kind of hone in on what's going to be the best way to put pollinator habitat in agricultural areas. And I'm working on getting bumblebee colonies out there to observe how they do and to do that. 
I raise my own bumblebee colonies. So this spring I've been going out and collecting queens. And then um, now I have all these growing bumblebee colonies. And then um, in a couple weeks, I'll be able to put them out and then monitor them to, to see directly what's happening with the colonies in terms of their, their health when they're in these different kinds of environments. Science and natural resources management never go quite as planned. How has failure or changes in plans been a part of your work on bee conservation? There's always adaptations to be made with, with research plans. One difficulty is the year-to-year variability that happens with, with bumblebee populations. So I talked about that study where we're looking at these different ways to to monitor for for rare bees. We had one field season that we concentrated on for that, which was in 2018, which ended up being kind of an amazing year for the Rusty Patch bumblebee. So it worked out well for us because we saw them. But then the the next year, the numbers were way down. So part of the problem is we don't really know for sure how we have confidence in our numbers for what we saw the year that we were there. But with populations varying so much from year to year, it can be difficult to figure out what that really means for um, applying that to people going out and looking in in other years, since every year for for bees is, is very different, and we don't have a good way to predict. So what is your favorite, most surprising result or insight from your work at this point? One of my my favorite results has been seeing the impact that um, community scientists, citizen scientists can can have on um, our understanding of what's going on with populations of bees in particular that are low. With the rusty patch bumblebee, the endangered species, the majority of the records that we have that let us know where they are, you know, where we need to do recovery plans for them are from people, from the general public being out there taking pictures and, and sharing them on either iNaturalist or Bumblebee Watch. There's other species. There's a, a species of bee, Bombus frigidus, that is, um, we only had records of it back you know, to the 1930s, and it was mostly in northern Minnesota, but we didn't have any records from 1930 up till two years ago when some um, people who live up in northern Minnesota started sharing pictures of them. So we know without those pictures, we wouldn't know that they were still here. I would think, you know, oh, well, they might be here, they might not. Now we know they're here. And that, that's really important to be able to know just who we have so we can then get good conservation actions in place. That's a great segue. Our listeners love to learn more about and help with environmental stewardship. So what are one or two things that you suggest they could do to help with your efforts? This year, there are going to be a, a few different things. The Backyard Bumblebee Count is a project that's in cooperation with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. And there's a couple things going on with that. I'm going to be using that program, which is through iNaturalist, to get people all over Minnesota out looking for bumblebees and not just taking pictures of, of one bee that they see in their, in their garden and sending it in, which, which can be helpful. But a lot of times we need more information. So we're going to have people looking for, uh, for a certain amount of time and recording all of the bees 
that you see in that area so we can get a better idea of what's going on. Part of that is you need a little bit of training. So fortunately, through the Bee Atlas, we have some good training webinars that were done by Britt Forsberg available for people to learn some of the basic Bumblebee ID that they need to do that. Also with the Backyard Bumblebee Count, there is a um, going to be a big push kind of like the Christmas bird count where we have a week or so, maybe 10 days at the kind of the end of July where we're going to be really pushing for people to get out and take pictures of, of bumblebees all through the historic range of the Rusty Patch Bumblebee, which is all through Eastern North America, to see if we can really get a good snapshot picture of that point in time, um, how are those bumblebee populations doing. So this is my last question. I know you're familiar with social media apps. So what is a hashtag that you wish would really take off? Like millions of people are sharing it. My favorite hashtag is hashtag wasp love. There are a lot of people who, you know, think wasps are horrible. They have a bad experience with a yellow jacket or some, something like that. And then they just think all wasps are evil. There's all these memes going around that um, try to, to say, you know, oh, bees are good, but wasps are mean. And I really disagree with that. Wasps are incredibly diverse and they, they do all kinds of different beneficial things. There's lots of wasps that are really important predators of pests in, in our agricultural systems. Most wasps are, are solitary. They're not, they can't sting people at all. And so it's really just, you know, I, of course I have sympathy for people who, who've gotten stung. That's not fun, but don't blame all wasps for it and, and try to recognize the, the benefits that they have and the, the incredible beauty that they have. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Naturalist. Huge thanks to Elaine for joining us on the podcast. This episode was recorded over Zoom from our homes during the coronavirus pandemic in 2020. Search for Backyard Bumblebee Count or visit bumblebeewatch.org or z.umn.edu forward slash atlas to get involved in the projects that Elaine mentioned. We hope that you enjoyed the opportunity for some advanced training during your daily walk, while gardening, or while sitting at your desk. Give us a thumbs up or drop a comment to let us know you value the podcast. Pass it along to others, too. We look forward to sharing another episode soon. In the meantime, stay safe, be healthy, and we hope you enjoy Nature in Place.